This is Coda Radio, episode 338, for December 31st, 2018. everyone and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and the business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is recorded across the Pacific Northwest and the beautiful state of Florida. My name is Chris. That's not so important. What's more important is who's joining me from Florida. Why, yes, it is our very own Florida man. It is Mr. Dominic. <laughs> Hello, Mike. 2019 is the year, sir, at the bink, sir. Oh, I thought maybe the year he finally, finally, finally went away. <laughs> no. He's going to be with you forever. That's, I'm getting that impression. It's taking 338 weeks for it to sink in. <laughs> but How it's starting to finally sink in. How are you doing? Did you have a good holiday? How are you? I had I had a wonderful holiday. Um, I somehow accidentally bought out the toy store. Oh, Yeah. I think I went a little overboard. I did that too. And I have discovered the joys of napping. Yeah, I was actually, I uh, wasn't sure if you wanted me to out you or not, but uh, Mr. Dominic is joining us fresh off of a nap. It's, That's uh, right. You know, I think uh, it's about 3 p.m. Uh, where you're at right now. And that right. I find is uh, my peak napping time. If I'm going to, if I could, if I could sneak away and have a nap, that's peak nap time. And it sounds like an old man thing to say, but naps might be one of the best life hacks. I'm proud of you. Although your timing's a little off. It takes me, a, well, at least for me, it takes me a solid 30 minutes to turn back into a human being after a nap. You know, I can do it pretty quickly. Um, but let me tell you something. The, there is no greater luxury than going to sleep at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Oh, I know. I mean, it's decadent. It is. And it's one of the perks of, you know, being your own boss, right? Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, we, I, especially after our last episode where we got really hard <laughs> on that whole thing. Like it is, there is, it is good to sometimes take a step back is. and go, man. You know, it's nice being being the master of my own domain. That's right. So, so the process. See, see, you want to learn my napping I secret do. here? I do because I actually, no joke. Uh, it sounds like a bit, but I am planning to hone a healthy nap hygiene and hopeful habit in 2019. So, any tips you have for me, I would really appreciate. So I, I've been perfecting the nap because you're, you're right. You don't want that like groggy, like nap hangover. Yes, yeah, so I don't think I can burn an hour, right? I think I've got like a half hour, 45 minutes. Maybe I can sneak here and there every other okay. day. So the trick is you want to do it right after you eat lunch. I was thinking that too because you get like the uh, food coma. The food coma. And you want to have a little bit of coffee before you go to sleep, but right immediately before. Oh, man, this is good, right? So that way, while you're sleeping, your body is digesting the caffeine. You wake up, the caffeine Absolutely. Takes you start metabolizing the caffeine. So when you finally, like in this case, the alarm for the show came on and woke me up, you, you're you loaded with caffeine. So it only takes a minute or two to uh, stabilize. Man, okay. So are you a are you a rough sleeper like I am? Like I have pretty horrible sick, sleeper. Yeah. Do, have you horrible. have you done a sleep study? Uh, the missus is uh, pretty aggressively pushing. Yeah, to, my yeah. missus is pushing me to go get my second sleep study right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah the it's, the, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah, I've gotten pretty deep into sleep tracking, and um, 
I use uh, a couple of different apps because, like I said, I'm deep into it. And what's great, I got to say, a little quick, um, Android versus iPhone on sleep tracking is, I would say, the most robust sleep tracking goes to Android. Uh, sleep as Android is, no, nothing beats that, especially if you have Android Wear. But there is a distinct advantage to the way the Apple Watch does sleep tracking that is neat. And that isn't such that the Apple Watch is just tracking your movement and your heart rate and things like that and saving them to HealthKit. And then the apps analyze the HealthKit data. So you can have three or four different sleep apps that aren't drawing down your watch battery or your phone battery while you sleep. They're analyzing the data collected while you slept. And so that is really cool. So I've got different views into different sets of sleep data as I'm trying to lose weight um, and exercise. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll get into this a bit later in the show, and I'm tracking it all with these apps. It's actually, it's gone from just like navel-gazing and playing with myself to actually um, creating a feedback loop that is, that is reinforcing positive behavior that is positively influencing my sleep. I, I'm really excited about today's episode because I'm in a good space with like, where I'm going in 2019, and it sounds like you've got some serious goals. Like, you know, I, I hate how I really, I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions because um, I kind of just want to start right now. It's always been my thing. But goals or new ways of thinking, thought technologies, if you will, or frameworks, um, I'm kind of all about that for the new year. So I, th- I, I'm really excited about today's episode to chat with you about it because you're, you're full of good hacks already, but... Why don't we start with an email from Nicholas? Because this is great. Nicholas goes way back. In fact, he says, I've been listening since episode one. <laughs> now that's a man who can tolerate some pain. Right? Like, Nicholas, first of all, thanks for putting up with us. We are not easy to listen to for that long. And I greatly appreciate uh, your fortitude and willingness to put up with uh, my ridiculous behavior and... Uh, I won't, I won't speak for Mike, but you know what I'm talking about. All right, so I think we all know what we're talking about. <laughs> yep. He says, I've been listening since episode one. And I remembered, I even remember, he says, when Coda Radio was being announced on the Linux Action Show. The start of my software career happened around the time of the start of the show, and I've never missed an episode. A couple of episodes ago, Chris struck a chord in regards to the future of Microsoft and Electron. It just so happens that weeks prior... I decided Node.js had Stainbower, and it was time for me to get involved. I come from a strong SQL and Java background, i.e., well, you know, those established technologies. I've branched off several times to learn Haskell or Clojure or Scala and, and Qt, too. After learning these technologies and watching their adoption and communities flatline or decline into nothingness, I now feel like a defeated Viking, sailing back with no treasure after a long raid. That is uh, that is very um, relatable, Nicholas, right there. He goes on to say, mm. when learning something new, I tend to have similar thoughts as Mike, or at least I think based on his comments. I remember back when Mike had his first run with Qt years ago. He got me excited about it, and I could see why. There's an architecture beauty to Qt that causes a software developer to assume Qt has to take off. How could such an engineering accomplishment not take off? It's like this with so many great languages and frameworks, though. I think the comments Chris made about Microsoft and Electron and an Electron have weight. 
Not not because Node.js and JavaScript and Electron are great technologies, but because JavaScript has become the lowest common denominator for inexperienced developers to write a lot of code quickly. And often, they make a big mess in the process. It's also proving to fulfill the write-once, run-everywhere promise. My hope for 2019 and beyond is that Microsoft will get ahead of this. Being more of a Linux guy... I never expected Microsoft to be the shepherd for so many open source projects. And now they have the potential to start replacing major applications with Electron. Great show, guys. And best of luck for 2019. Yeah, Nicholas, um, isn't that interesting about the part that he says in here that really resonates with me? is when he talks about how he looked at Qt and thought, how could such an engineering accomplishment not take off? Yeah, I feel like we get stuck in that trap a lot. A lot. And sometimes early in the game, before anything's taken off, you don't have a lot of things to base your decision off of. So you kind of have to look at the engineering merits of something. That's not always the biggest factor. Sometimes the market has other ideas, right? (laughs) And things just don't go the way. I mean, really, by all accounts, cute should be huge right now. I mean, it's pretty big, but it should be... It should be huge. Well, it should be. It should almost, especially for kind of a more Linuxy leaning audience like we have. I feel like it should be more of a standard. Yeah. Platform. That's the way to and put it. It should just, be a standard. It should be a standard, right? Like you want to develop an app uh, using app as you know very loosely. For you know, frankly, if you're a Linux action show or Linux unplugged user, or action news now. I like the switch, by the way. I like the news. Yeah, yeah. Thank. Um, it has you know. I mean, just saying. Side side note, it's had, it's had an unbelievable year. It's been great. It's been it really has been good. fabulous. And in fact, I, I'm I'm baiting you actually because I can't remember if it was Linux Unplugged or Linux Action News, but uh, our our disappointed Viking reveals something in his email here that I'm struggling with. You know, I'm using my Mac and um, and uh, my Galago like fifty fifty uh-huh. uh, because I I have this giant Swiss project I'm doing. Mm. One thing that keeps bothering me is that the apps on my Mac are pound for pound better. Yeah. With the exception of Slack, <laughs> which is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you I know, mean, just, and, and the other thing yeah. is, the other thing too is, um, uh, you and I were chatting about this um, off air, is that uh, on the Mac, you generally, you have three or four apps to pick from, and maybe yes. one or two of them is really good. They're all slightly more than you'd like to pay for them, but you are willing to pay for them because they are far and above beyond anything that's a web app or on Windows or on Linux desktop. And that, I mean, <laughs> that hurts for me to say. Yeah. And it, and what I realized I was doing, and you guys that have been listening like Nicholas to the show for a long time know that I, I kind of, I come at this with an anti-web app bias. I'm an, I'm an old fart who feels like my applications shouldn't be in a browser because the browser is unstable. It's a security vulnerability. It's also just a lot of runtime, more than ever, than to just run an application. Um, it makes Wine look like a simple, simple thing when you're running a Windows application on Linux, if you think about it. If you think about running a Windows application under Wine on Linux, that's more pure than running a damn application in a web app under, you know, Chrome or whatever. But as I've, I'll just make this quick. <clears throat> as I've been transitioning to Linux after I got the ThinkPad and I just really went all in, I stopped video editing. That was really the marker. It wasn't the ThinkPad. It was when I stopped video editing. I just, I just, all the Macs went out of my life. I just 
flushed the toilet, all the Macs were gone. I'm no longer in the need of a, a Final Cut OS. And I started leaning a lot more on web apps. And there's it's just awful. It's just been, yeah. 2018 has been the year of web apps for me, and it's been awful. Yeah, I can't tell. Like, I'm going to give you a real-world example. I mean, I'm, I'm going to exclude Xcode from the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because that's kind of a compulsory, like... Yeah. Same like Visual Studio on the on, on Windows. Like, if, you, right. if your job requires it, then it's sort of a conversation ender. It, it's sort of, yeah, right. If you're developing in Swift and Xcode, yeah. But, goddammit, OmniGraffle. Right? Like, I just... I have to make a lot of, like, pretty diagrams for people. Because people want to know before <laughs> they hire us to, you know build these systems for them, what they're going to get, or at least what we think, you know, upon a discovery, right? Obviously things change. And I have been through at least a dozen, uh, either, either, uh, web applications, wrapped electron apps, um, Libre office draw when I was in a particularly dark place. Yep. And, it just makes more sense for me if I'm not already working on the Mac for that particular project to just switch over to the Mac and do it on Omni because it it's I know it sounds like the dumbest thing if you've never used OmniGraphic you're gonna be like What's no the big it's deal? it is yeah. it is um it's Visio for human beings right it's Visio if you don't actually hate yourself yeah yeah if you don't yeah. if you're not a cutter jeez <laughs> <laughs> got me on that one all right. <laughs> But unfortunately, so, like all things from the Omni Group, it's not not available on anything but the Mac and maybe maybe iOS and the if and be get ready to pay because if you want the good version, it's two hundred bucks. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, th- that's the other irony: the iPad Pro version of this app, which does exist, is better than most of the web app alternatives on desktop. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent. So if I had to like. Let's just say, like, I did no more Swift work, which I got to talk about because for some reason that came back up. I probably would be more inclined to like get Athelio, but still do all this documentation work on an iPad. Well, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to my world right now. Um, oh, and Slack on iPad. I just want to say, yeah. Well, native, it's so much better. Yeah, just, it's so much. They better. could just like port that right yeah. when this when, when that Marzipan thing comes out to port it to Mac. That should be their first step. They should. And then, yeah, seriously. But then the Mac version would be the best desktop superior version. to all the desktop versions. Yeah. yeah, I'm. Um, I'm not surprised that you and I are both feeling this way because think about it. So OmniGraffle, great example. I think OmniGraffle is maybe the perfect example. Um, the Omni Group is the company that makes that. OmniFocus and a few other applications they're pretty well known for. And um, they've been around for like 20 years. So you've got a dev shop with a 20-year legacy. You've got a platform that has 20-plus years of design ethos and thinking and, and, and language. Um, you've got a stable, well-set of documented APIs. You've got a distribution mechanism that, you, while it takes a large cut, provides your CDN, it provides your payment processing, it provides in-app purchase mechanisms. Um, is it that surprising that you and I are sitting here going, shit, somehow, man, this has resulted in a better set of applications than what you get when you run something in a web browser on a free desktop? I actually don't think it's that surprising. It's disappointing, that's for sure, um, because I'm a user of that free desktop. Talking right. to you on, I'm you, I'm on one right now as we're doing this. But I gotta say, like OmniGraffle, Slack, the, the you know, um, I'll throw another one out there. That's just, I'll, I'll I'll stack this up against anything that's available on Android or the Linux desktop. Airmail, 
If oh, you, yeah. If you have yeah. a few mail accounts, if you know, if you if you're yeah. if you're tracking a few mail, nothing beats airmail. I've tried everything else, nothing beats airmail. That um, is my email client of choice on Mac. Yeah. yeah. I well, it's that's what I use on the iPad. Um it, it so the 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 weird shift that I'm I am really struggling with a bit is I've gone from um, a workflow shift where my desktops are my main source of truth to where this sounds this sounds so douchebaggy, but it's just it's just the truth. My 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 iPad is the source of truth now. The iPad is because it's got IA writer, IA writer. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's got to be one of the best text editors I've ever used. It's got working copy on my iPad. Working copy has got to be, no offense, because Code Journal was awesome, but working copy has got to be one of the most powerful Git clients for iOS that I've ever used. It's just, here's why I like um, working copy. Working copy can run in the background as glue, and you don't ever have to really use the app. Like yeah, they've 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 so I can just I can be an IA writer and I can be writing show notes and I can be writing notes and I can hit save and working copy is saving that up on my GitHub repo for me. Yep. And it's saving each version up on GitHub for me as I'm sitting there writing. And I'm just I I, I got to I, I really it's just so great because I just fire up the app. I just start writing. I hit save and everything in the background is going up to GitHub with me not having to do anything. This workflow is pretty good, and so what I've what I've been doing over time is I'm trying to come up with workflows that are not specifically locked into iCloud. They're not locked into Google. They're not locked into one particular cloud vendor, but they work really great, and I can access them from the desktops and the iPad. But the primary the primary dependency is that the iPad can work flawlessly. The desktops and laptops are now secondary. If I can get it, if I can view it, if I can edit, that's great. But it has to be on the iPad, which is a complete 180 from where it was before the iPad Pro. I've even, I know this sounds stupid, but I've even gotten myself set up now with a mechanical keyboard, a, a great mechanical keyboard. Ooh, which one? Uh, it's I think it's Matthias Pro. It's got the, the one that's designed for the um, Apple command key. I don't know what, uh, I think it's, I'll try to find it. I'll try to put it in the, in the show notes. Yeah. I got the Matthias Pro hooked up to a USB-C hub that has power. It's got, um, <laughs> it's got a professional sound deck <laughs> connected to it. And then it's got professional monitors. <laughs> I've got my speaker setup, my sound system and my speaker setup connected to my iPad <laughs> is, is bigger and more expensive than the iPad itself. <laughs> It's my editing speakers. I don't do a lot of editing anymore, but I have started editing on the iPad using Ferrite, which is a fantastic audio editor. Um, yeah. And what I've learned is I've had to eat a little bit of my own hat because I wrote iOS off as a consumption operating system. You know, it's cute for phones. It's good. It's it's reliable. It's You can expect it to perform on your phone, and it makes a good phone operating system. But on the tablet, you know, Android's way better because you get access to the file system. You can connect actual storage devices. You can install a file browser. Like Android would be a way better tablet operating system, except for that they just dropped the ball. And and the workflow on iOS has gotten a lot better. Some of the some of the things that I, I've really noticed is it's a lot like Unix. 
<laughs> I know that sounds yeah. crazy, but a bunch of small apps I string together to accomplish something. Uh, I've gone on too long about it, but um, it this 2019, I I have no idea at the end of 2019 where I'm going to end up with my desktop Linux usage, because I think um, I, I I just I think I think uh, I'll get into it, but I think I'm in a mindset now where the strongest will win. And whatever comes out strongest is what I'm going to end up using, and I go into it without any bias. So whatever just works the best for me is is what I'll walk out using by the end of 2019. You mean in terms of different Linux environments, or or whether it's a Linux desktop at all? All of it. Um, so I'm going to launch a new series soon on the network, but um, I'm just really busy planning to get married and all that kind of stuff. Once I get all that done, I'm going to launch a series on the network called Distro Hopper, where I just go through a bunch of different desktops and distros and try them all out and just See which one works for me. And if at the end of it, none of them work for me, I'll be honest about it. And I'm just going to switch. I'm just, I've got, this has got to stop. This has got to fucking stop. You know what I mean? Like this is. Yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah. Like it's, it's like I've got a problem in a way. Like I've got a problem and I can't, I I am compulsive in this regard and I've got to get a handle on it because I'm wasting too many of my CPU cycles on it. You feel similar? So we, I'm going to make a cheap joke about myself breaking computers, but seriously, like I have paved and wiped and installed either Mac OS or, you know, like I, I know you're, you feel this way too, right? You have a way you want your system set up and just always having to hop around, always having to switch has proven to be a tremendous waste of time. Um, I got to be honest. I am like, I almost feel like if I can do one process improvement for the new year, it's, you know, whether I have to keep juggling uh, Mac and Linux because I'm going to be stuck doing Swift development, I just have to have one setup for Mac, one setup for Linux, yeah, and that has to be good for the year. That's least. what I'm. That's exactly where I'm. It just has to be done. Yeah, right. And, and it's you know such what? A waste of time. I, to keep doing I this. and maybe when when the cards fall where they are or where they may, whatever this whatever the stupid saying is, uh, you know, maybe I end up on a GNOME desktop and uh, I get a 13 inch MacBook or something. I I don't know. I don't know where it's going to go. I doubt right, it's going to well, go with Windows. Whatever it comes out to. <laughs> but, um, we're, we're relatively sure Windows 10 is not going to win this this uh, beauty contest. No, no, this isn't really what we uh, we assemble here to talk about today. But no. but it is both of us kind of saying, like, we're not going to have another 2018 where we just flip and flop for, like, the whole year trying to figure this out. Like, Yeah. And uh, you know what? Part of it, part of it for me is there's a risk in offending a portion of the audience. If I come out and I say, you know... This is just way better on XYZ platform. Um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I choose. If I come out and say, I'm dropping Plasma because of the multi-monitor issues that I'm having, and I'm switching back to GNOME, and I'm switching back to Arch, I'm going to offend a ton of Ubuntu users and Plasma users who have identified me as one of their um, champions who's rallying people to try Plasma. And if I say, if I say well, I'm, I'm, uh, I tried GNOME, and uh, it just didn't live up to what I want, and I'm sticking with Plasma, I'll offend all the GNOME people. So, And if I say I'm switching to Mac, I'll offend all of the Linux users. And if I say the Mac didn't cut it, then all of the Mac people listening will say, what the fuck, man, you didn't give it a true shot. You're such a biased Linux user. Like, there's no winning for me in this. I've just got to get through it and have it over with. Yeah, I don't, I don't think... Uh, I'm going to be a little mean. I really don't think people should care as much as they do. That's it. Right? Like, if the head of the Linux Foundation runs Linux or runs Mac or runs Windows, it shouldn't matter. If 
that's it. That is it. So like uh, uh, Swapnil is a uh, Linux journalist who has a YouTube channel called the the uh, the Fourth Industrial Revolution. If you want to look him up, and um, if you go look at his comments on his YouTube videos where he's interviewing Linus Torvalds, Greg Kh, um, just great people in the open source world. He's <clears throat> there at the events. <clears throat> excuse me. He's there at the events interviewing these people, and he's doing a great job. And the comments are always, "Hey man, did you edit this on a Mac?" Hey, man, why aren't you using Linux, Swap? Well, I mean, come on, Swap, why aren't you using Linux? And, you know, uh, um, it, is a, it, is a, it is an obsession on, in the wrong area because if you think about it, the desktop for Linux and for FreeBSD, for all of the non-commercial operating systems, is trivial. It, it really doesn't matter. All of the money being spent on open source is being spent on the enterprise. All of the money being spent on desktop development is being spent in the commercial operating systems. The free desktops are, by the grace of God, a secondary benefit we get by Linux being a champion on Android and on IoT, on servers. And and for some reason, Red Hat spends an, an irrational amount of money on free desktop projects. Uh, and we are all here running our free desktop sort of riding on the coattails of desktop. Desktop Linux is riding on the coattails of server Linux. So are you suggesting that, and I'm, I'm not sure that I don't agree with this, that since the real game for Linux is an IoT and on the server, all these little flame wars about, for instance, GNOME versus Plasma, which I think is the dumbest argument that goes on, are kind of completely useless. We're not important. Yep. Total distractions. Yeah, Me I'd have to agree with that. Yeah, meanwhile, there's like a whole billion-dollar industry out there that is booming, and we're sitting here worried about are people writing cute apps or GTK applications? Uh, are you running Mac OS, Windows, or, or KDE, or Plasma? Are you on Pop OS, or are you on Ubuntu Mate? Are you on Elementary OS, or are you on Arch? Are you on OpenSUSE, or are you on Fedora? Like, uh, like the things that we're worried about are just... That's not what the market's worried about. No, not at all. Yeah, that's that's what the... Uh, I think that's ultimately going to be the lesson hopefully of 2019, because now that we have, uh, you know, Microsoft being bigger in the space and a bunch of other companies, I, I don't, in a weird way, I do think we're going to see continued growth in the Linux, de Linux desktop. Yeah. But I think it's going to somehow be different. I think a lot of the real big money action is going to be, and continue to be, right? This isn't a new trend on the uh, server side, and particularly the IoT side. I think we're going to see something pretty... I don't want to say like Docker for IoT, but something like that that standardizes the IoT landscape. Because hmm. one of the dirty little things that if you've ever done IoT development, it's very, unless you're using like a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino, which is kind of IoT, but yeah. I'm talking like... But also it's cheap. like consumer-grade hardware, so it's a bit of a risk too. Yeah, if you, I'm, I'm talking about like real industrial-grade IoT. All of these platforms are kind of their own beautiful little ponies. Oh, sure. Um, you got to collect logs, you got to ship updates... Yeah, you got to manage the lifespan of the sh of the hardware, uh, um, and you got to stand up all those backend services to provide that. Yeah. You got you got to build all of that, unless which is you, terrible. Unless you go with Azure Sphere OS, right? Which I still don't think will. I, I mean, Azure Sphere is very interesting, but what I'm thinking more is like an open source 
kind of like like a docker, like an abstraction over the core system. Sort of like how, uh, and I'm just saying as a, like a, as in a comparison, not that it's going to be this. Um, Project Treble is for Android, where you kind of abstract away some of the hardware stuff, and you can keep the kernel and the software layer current, and then there, it's just this abstraction layer that you have to kind of fiddly worry about the hardware implementation details. Something sort of like that, but for IoT? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Exactly like that. I could see that. I could I could definitely see that. I, I think that'd be really, really good. Uh, but uh, And then let's move on. I want to get to your goals for the next year, but... Um, Back to your Microsoft point, just super quick. Isn't Microsoft's sort of total change of tone and, and, and doubling down on open source in a way like a weird validation of everything that I just talked about? Microsoft is sort of proving that it's about the server side. It's always been about the server side. Yes. And the desktop is just uh, secondary for people that want to compete in that market. But if you're not making the hardware like Macs, like Chrome, like uh, the Surface, then it's almost not a wor- it's not a game worth playing. Like you have to be at this point in 2019. Now, you almost it has to be everything that has to be a complete product. You, it needs to have storage. It needs to have applications. It it needs to have all of these third parties that connect in with it, like Mac OS does, like Chrome OS does, like Android does, like iOS does, and Windows. Yeah, I think that's exactly the point. I think it's going to be, like, you mentioned a few weeks ago, uh, I think some pretty aggressive uh, kind of hinting or predictions about what Microsoft might do at Electron. Yeah. If they do that, I think that's going to be more than just, you know, make Electron on the desktop better. I think we're going to see some sort of holistic, I don't know, we're going to see so- something, how can I say this, like something where that technology where the electron technology becomes glue between your server your you know how you run your client software something something bigger than just making electron less crappy yeah yeah of course that is that is microsoft's bread and butter there isn't it that is really what they're kind of good at in fact <laughs> you know not to not to like double down on my own theory here but in a way, Microsoft for a very, very long time has been a huge proponent of write once, run everywhere. They've just done a really bad job. Well, they've done a great job. Hey, if you're hey in- Chris, I have to update my J-sharp. Yeah, I'll be right exactly. back. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> you know exactly where I was going. That is exactly. Like, they've done a good job. If you're in the Microsoft-only ecosystem, then write once, run on all Windows platforms has worked for quite a while. <laughs> but this is really about truly legitimately write once, run everywhere. Of course, it's the VHS of programming languages, but it is truly write once, run everywhere. And um, my prediction was is that Windows would become the premier platform because Edge rebasing on Chromium, they could bake in an Electron runtime into the OS. And Electron applications, it would it requires some modification in the stack like we talked about. We we covered that. But it would you know, it would make Windows a premier platform to run these um, Electron applications. And Microsoft would really just be fulfilling something that they've put a lot of energy behind for a very, very long time, which is different attempts at the implementation. Once you get things like Office 
or a couple of other core applications in Electron, what really starts to matter is that Chromium engine, not not really even the Win32 API um, or the GDI-based desktop. What really starts to matter is can you render that Chrome web data? And Microsoft, if they can get all of us to transition to that, gets a ton of flexibility on the future of Windows. I don't know where they go with that, but if they're not thinking of this, if they're not, I mean, if they're not thinking about Electron as one of their many escape hatches from the Windows code legacy, then I don't know what's wrong with them. It's It's got to be part of a multi... Microsoft doesn't do just one thing. Microsoft right. does things when it when it's it's beneficial in three, four, or five ways. And when they can say, all right, this benefits us in multiple ways, then they act. The move to Electron with their acquisition of GitHub, it enables them to provide applications for multiple platforms, from, from mobile to desktop, and it allows them an escape hatch to get off of the Windows code base if they want to move to something in the future. It just seems like they got to do it. They got it. Yes, I'm even more ambitious than that. With, with if they're going to do it, they're, it's not going to be Windows, Linux, Mac, server, IoT. It's going to be. In fact, I think this is for everybody, including TMB, and and I think you're going to see it a lot too in the open source space. Of you're not selling an app anymore. You're not selling you know consulting services. You're selling a full solution. Part of that may be you have an iOS app that runs Swift. Part of it may be that. You know, you're using some sort of like Azure Spheres. Actually, if they just do what they're doing with Azure Spheres with Electron, where there is um, proprietary, I believe, propri- I don't know. Did they say they were going to open source Spheres OS? Ah, uh, uh, good question. I so, I mean, it's Linux, but the things they've added from my conversation with them are uh, crash metrics, uh, secure updates, yeah. and things of that nature. And I don't think those are open source. Well, and there's also on um, part of, so like, it, it, you know, in one way, the way that they market Sphere OS is kind of weird because it's not just an IoT operating system. The real value there is getting the basically pre-rolled security and a bunch of the pre-rolled functions by connecting it to Azure, mm. right? And that is, so if you're considering, I'm just going to take a little Sphere OS tangent here. If you're considering Sphere OS for your project, what you're really considering is not these are the boards I want to run. Right. What you're saying is I am buying this entire holistic solution yeah. that includes backend processing, proprietary security technologies on the back. I know that I know the Azure stuff is still proprietary. This is how I'm gonna this is how I'm gonna collect my crash logs. This is how I'm gonna ship up the whole package. Yep. Right. I think more and more after listening to, uh, for you for a few weeks about what you think about Electron. I think a very similar strategy where it's not you're running a desktop app in Electron. It is you are producing a full holistic solution, leveraging these integrated technologies. These, uh, you know, it could all be all the way down to IoT, right? I could see some kind of weird integration between a Microsoft approved Electron app and Sphere OS. Maybe that's too far. Maybe they don't see that as the same market. But why wouldn't they have, just as they do in Sphere OS, special prefabbed, basically developer niceties? Um, so that you as the ISV, right, as the end developer, can ship a, a just more robust solution, which is frankly what I think, especially going into the new year, 
that's what it's going to be all about. It's not going to be about give me a desktop app or give me a web app. It's going to be I need an entire solution. And I don't care about the platform. <sighs> yeah. And does that – so going back to Nicholas's email, it started this whole conversation. Um, you know, he talked in there about how Qt would have to be the dominant um, victor because it was such a well-engineered solution, which is how I've felt about the Linux desktop for so, so long. And um, it's not really that, is it? It's about the comprehensive product that makes it onto the market. It's really – it's about – so many other factors that we as geeks can kind of tune out a little bit because, you know, a lot of times we'll, in, or, in order to be ahead of everybody else, you kind of, you kind of have to turn to, to kind of tune in to what's new and what has possibilities. And you kind of have to tune out what popular culture is telling you to pay attention to, to a degree. You know, you have to balance that. And I think we as geeks sometimes get trapped in this way of thinking. And we think, well, the properly engineered solution is obviously is going to be the winning solution. Yeah, I mean, I would add that Qt is kind of a weird special case because of their dual licensing situation. Yeah. And I've personally been in meetings where the, just the uncertainty around when exactly do you violate the GPL has, yeah. All the time. All the time. Every day. So. I should get a shirt, violate the GPL every day, and see how well it sells. <laughs> I, I would not wear it because I know no, some, one, one of these up. jokers would actually try to. <laughs> yeah, I can already see it. That'd be no good. That'd be no no good. Um, all right. Well, why don't we uh, why don't we uh, start talking about the things that we gathered here today? Good. To talk about great email, Nick. You, you definitely derailed us for forty eight minutes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Nicholas, uh, and thank you for listening since episode one. Uh, I really appreciate it. So. Um, Moving forward now to uh, your plans for next year. What do you think, Mike? What are your, I, I mean, if you want to call them goals, we can call them that. But uh, where are you going next year? And if if nothing else, what does present Mike hope that future Mike pulls off? That might be the way to think about it. Yeah, well, I, I really want to remove a lot of the thrashing from my processes. Um, the biggest one being, you know, Distro hopping and destroying laptops is not good. That, I know it sounds kind of like a joke, but it really was a tremendous source of just waste, particularly of time. Um, I need to start shipping first-party products faster. Um, so, like, not, not, uh, not. Uh, okay, just to make sure I'm clear, um, you mean not projects that you're doing because you got a client doing them, but ones that you might sell directly to the market. Yeah, I mean, continuing to do both, but but products directly to the market, it's it's definitely important to have a few things out there. Um, and there's just a lot of tools that I need for myself that currently don't exist or don't exist in a form that I like. So I think that's a pretty good place to start. Yeah. Um, this, this one I think is going to be a little controversial. <sighs> okay. So I went on Twitter and I asked about TDD again. Uh-huh. Because... Uh, I, I knew Kara Swisher wasn't available, and I figured I'm going to get in a flame war. I need. I think it would. I need to take another look at it. Um, I still really, really don't buy it because I've just run into enough shady consulting shops that just use it to pad invoices. Oh, sure. I mean, well, okay, yeah. I mean, do you not buy it in the sense that you know it's a small shop with only so much time and a few people to actually do real work? Not, not to even mention people that could be dedicated to writing tests. 
Um, I mean, so if I guess flip your your lens, you're looking at the situation, and if you had a 25 person development team, and right. three of them could be dedicated to writing tests all the time, then maybe test driven development wouldn't be so bad, right? It's scale, isn't it? Is it's a scale issue? It, it could be a scale issue. I mean, I definitely agree with that. Obviously, at, you know, if we were 25 people, yeah, that that probably does make sense. Um, you still get into questions about like test coverage and do you write tests first? Which if you're doing TDD, you probably should. Although many people on Twitter say, well, they just do it in parallel. Um, yeah. The the, the real the real issue because theoretically, if you buy the TDD Kool Aid. Even even at a small scale, it should produce a benefit to you. I I have I have begun to sip upon the Kool Aid, and um, the people that I talk to that are trying to convince me, they tell me that if you spend if you spend ten hours, twenty hours developing your tests and and thinking that through, you spend significantly less time doing actual practical development because of all of the front matter you had to do to create the test and work that through. And it generates these endpoint goals for you to test against. And so it's like sort of, it, it just does so much of the um, pre-work. I, I have yet to actually verify this. To me, I'm more of a just, let's just jump in and start building kind of guy. But this is what I'm being told. Uh, um, because this is how they kind of work at Linux Academy for their development is they're like, let's define the scope. Let's define the test. Let's make sure this meets what we expect. How do we measure it? Now we start building. And the head of engineering at Linux Academy told me that, it, you know, if we spend 20 hours ahead of time planning, then that takes 20 hours out of development time. And that she's, she's personally seen that and, and believes it. I have yet to adopt the methodology. <laughs> Well, I've heard that before, and then when I get into the kind of like how question, I I get weird answers. It's yeah, right, yeah. It, it, it it's definitely something I'm going to be exploring. I'm going to be pretty aggressively exploring in the first quarter because it, it's getting to the point where you know when this all became popular, we had uh, just started the show, right? And there were a lot of naysayers, myself included. <laughs> now it's just the case that like. Maybe not TDD itself, but certainly automated testing of of some stripe is basically the accepted good practice, and there just has to be a reason for that, right? Like, I hope maybe this is another agile consultant trick, but I hope it's good. I'll tell you what the uh, skepticist in me says is that it's a way for people that are getting paid full time by a business to justify <laughs> their hours. Um, However, however, if you look at the way we do shows, it kind of is, there is an analogy. We spend a significant amount of time before the show thinking about the show, planning the show, organizing the show, talking about the show. In fact, the thing that takes the least amount of time in releasing the show and everything is the actual recording of it. Right? Like the editing takes more time, the planning, just you thinking about it takes more time. And all of that work means that when we sit down and do the show, we have a pretty tight, compressed, ready to go show. And so we do all of the legwork ahead of time. And that's kind of what TDD is, if you think about it in that way. 
Like that's how I've started thinking about it. And I guess that's the way to put it is I've, I've shifted the way I think about it. Instead of validating the end result, I'm thinking about it as a way to validate the work before I even start. And I think that's the shift. If you're going to do TDD, that's the shift you got to make. I could be wrong. I'd love to hear what the audience thinks. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear what the audience thinks. I mean, this is something where, you know, it's either going to be one of these situations where I, I just haven't seen the light yet, mm. but maybe I will. So what else is in, in your future for 2019? What else? I mean, that's, uh, I that's think, big. Uh, I, think, I think some serious Swift development. Oh, <laughs> what? Oh, I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. Do we need to end the show? Should we just hang up? Should we rage quit right now? <laughs> Hang on, let me remove all liquids and metal <laughs> objects from my desk. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what the rest of your day was like after that Swift episode. I never thought about that. I never yeah. thought about what Mike's day was like after that. I know what my there day was like. There, <laughs> I don't know there should have been some like a bonus content of just like following me around a GoPro, watching Ooh. me just you know rage at the at the world. <laughs> well, it's time to wave the white flag of Objective C. Oh, really? It only took me five years. Okay. All right. I mean, I'm, I'm there with you, man. I was there for this fight with you. Uh, it's unfortunately the iPad pro is becoming too good. And we kind of alluded to this in the beginning of the show, mm. although I don't know if you knew, Oh, I did put it in the doc, but there's just too much opportunity to make actual production apps for iOS right now, which is what I have wanted. And please listen to the back catalog and, I have yeah. a feeling episode 104 will be your favorite. Um, that I was willing to lose $40,000, work on Windows just to do this on WinRT. I still know iOS like super well. Mm-hmm. Right? I, I, do, I do it for contracting work. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's, like it, it's still in that sweet spot for you. And, right, it's, and the rest, of the, you know, and, and so you want to scale out a team, like you know how to scale that out. I know the, I know all the tools. I know the code signing. The Ardex I mean, expectations, maybe, how to play the App Store game, like that. I know how to work with Apple reps, yeah. right? Like it's you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, it it honestly, it's a, it would be a little silly and, and frankly a little petulant to just not go with the flow. Mm-hmm. The, this this is the flow now. Hang on, I'm choking on blood right now. I know, uh, I know, right? <laughs> this is the flow. This is now the flow, which we have now. It's so amazing that this show really kind of started before the App Store was a phenomenon, and we've we've watched this happen. This phenomenon of learning how to game the App Store, learning how to make sure that you're meeting the right features and getting the right design, um, and it would be um, honestly negligent. If I took a completely, you know, just removed, detached perspective, you would be negligent in your business not to pursue this. Right. And it's exactly what I've been droning on about for six years. Seriously. So, (sighs) yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, whether whether I think Swift is ultimately going to be a better language than Objective-C, that's... Doesn't matter. I think... It, 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 one, it, doesn't it really matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's better or worse than Go or Rust. It it doesn't matter. It's better than Rust. I mean, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the emails—they're <laughs> coming already. <laughs> no, but the, the the point is right. This was my dream. Like, if you listen to the back catalog, I was always, always, always on about this production tablet apps, and I'm seeing you luxuriate with your Voltron out iPad Pro. Did you see the random? Did you look in the random thread today on our Slack? 
Did you see what I'm doing? Did you see what I'm doing? It's amazing, that. dude. For Batman. You can't, you can't do that with a laptop, right? No. No. No, you can't. No. It, it's getting to the point where literally it's the Surface RT dream come true. All right. So for the audience, I got myself a uh, a tripod mount for the iPad. Now you're like, Chris, why do you have a tripod mount? Well, so think about somebody who is obsessed with production standards who has to join a weekly or sometimes many weekly video conferences. One of my burdens, one of the things that is wrong with me is that I am obsessed with making sure that my camera shot looks awesome in those meetings. I know I shouldn't, but I can't I can't be on camera and have it look bad. Like I can't do that. Like why am I like I'll just turn my camera off, right? So I got myself a tripod. I got a stand for the iPad. I already had a ring light. <laughs> so I've got a vanity light that turns on and I've I've mounted the iPad in the middle of this vanity light with a ring light around it. So that way I am I am the best looking person. <laughs> on those it's media. not the iPad doing that for you, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey I've but you can't you can't you can't mount your laptop like that or a desktop and I I don't like running the zoom app on Linux it's actually kind of nice that zoom does make the zoom meeting thing available for Linux I do appreciate that thank you and I do use it uh, especially for like the quickies I love it but for like the meetings where I'm going to be in a solid meeting for an hour I would rather have my laptop available to get work done in the meeting and then I just use the tablet to run the native application. And I put that thing up on an, on a, on a, on a stand. And when I'm done, I pop it out and I, and I just put it back in its keyboard folio and I, it's back to being a, a, a you know, a, an email Slack telegram machine. You know, it's just, it's really versatile in a way that a desktop computer is not. All right. Are you, you want me to do a couple? Do you want, are you good? You, you go take it out, take it away. Yeah, I'll do a couple. So, uh, I'm going to do something that anybody that is a listener of the Cortex podcast, I have it linked in the show notes, uh, is maybe familiar with. And I, I don't normally do this kind of thing, but I've decided to do, in the spirit of Cortex, a year of theme. And I'm going to do, for me personally, and only I could do this. It's in, it's interesting. Uh, the year of structure. 2019 is going to be the year of structure. I, I, nobody else could really apply structure upon me, you know, an employer, um, and a significant other. They, they can't, I, I, I just reject it. Don't, don't give me your rules. Don't give me your playbook. I define what the playbook is, right? Uh, but this, this has been a different kind of transition for me. 2019 is going to be interesting. Um, because after my divorce about four years ago, I, I just sort of embraced, working my fucking ass off, just worked my ass off, just really dedicated myself to working hard. And I said, things like routine and structure and rules, those are for losers. I'm going to focus on my work and things are going to flow from that. And and that's what I'm going to do. And that, that's been good for a couple of years. I, I, you know, I built up the business. I got it to a point where I could sell it and, and then, um, be choosy about how I sell it. So not only was I selling it, but I, I sold it in a way where I could be choosy and make sure that the genuine things that are important about this network don't die. And for the most part, it's been a net positive. You know, editorially, they stay out. You've never been, I mean, I'm not to speak for you, Mike, but you've never been contacted by anybody at Linux Academy saying what you can or cannot say. 
I've never had a conversation with you saying what you can or cannot say. Um, And, you know, so I wanted to make sure that it was a good sale, too. And I had to get the business in a spot where it was um, enticing. To, 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 so I had a bargaining chip there to make it sustainable. It wasn't like a big plan of mine. I didn't have some big plan for years. It's just how it worked out. But that's because I, I really just focused hardcore on the company. But I paid for that personally. I think some of the, some of the issues I had recently were a result of that. Um, but I thought structure and rules were for people who had day jobs. You know, day jobs. Not for us self-employed people. We make our own rules. Not for rules. us wildcatters. No, we're rogues. Yeah. We make we're our own rogues rules. On the King's Highway. That's right. Yes. That's right. Go as fast as I want. Nobody's going to give me a ticket. Turns out that was a bunch of horseshit, but I'll get to that. Um, and in a way, it's it's not my fault. It's all completely my lady's fault. Damn her, really, uh, for, for making me do this. Um, <laughs> no, not really. It, it's, it's sort of been one of these things where I felt like uh, after a couple of years, I, I needed to up my game. And the only way I could up my game is by creating some routines and some structure that I follow. And structure is, uh, and routines are interesting. And I'll give you an example. If I told you, and this is actually true. If I told you that every morning for the last month, I've, gone to the gym every weekday at 6 a.m. Shocking. Actually, I've gone at 5 a.m. I haven't gone at 6 a.m. I've gone at 5 a.m. every day. And wow. I've been restricting my eating window from about 10 a.m. to about 4 p.m. And if it's outside of that, I don't eat. Wow. How's that working for you? Pretty great. And 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 you kind of, you're impressed by that because what what I am signaling to you is that I am a dependable person who outside of work has my shit together personally and I'm going to these things and I'm doing these things and I'm not I'm not trying to brag I'm just saying there is actual value in signaling that to the people around me so um, I'm I'm officially now the 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 leader of a team of people around me. And I expect them to do better than they've ever done before. But if I expect them to do better than I've ever done before, well, then I sure as hell need to start doing better than I've ever done before because actions speak louder than words. So when I wake up at 4.45 a.m. and I fucking don't feel like going to the gym, I remind myself that it's more than just my health. I am sending a message to the people around me about consistency, about being a fucking adult, about being responsible about the shit that I'm trying to do and getting it done. And if I commit to it, I'm going to do it because that's what adults do. That's what professionals do. And that's what my, that's what this whole year is about. And I, I said earlier, I was, I was blaming my lady, but what kind of came up is um, she's, she is shutting down her clinic and she's going to more of like a mobile setup where she's going to go to people and she's going to set up group sessions at retirement homes or community centers or hospitals and treat people there instead of having a clinic where they come to. And she's been struggling with, well, uh, how, how do I know when to get up in the morning? How do I know, uh, you know what my schedule is? How do I keep myself accountable without any structure? And that's really what sort of made me think about this in a way where when I got divorced a few years ago, I I rejected anybody that tried to apply rules to me or structure because, you know, screw them. I'm my own boss. But now I see the value in it. I see the value in routine. I see the value in structure. 
and I'm choosing to implement it upon myself. Like I'm gonna, I'm going to, I'm going to adopt a regime of structure over 2019, and I'm gonna make myself try it for a year, because the first month sucks, the second month sucks, the third sure. month sucks. In fact, <laughs> and I was talking to Carl about this at System 76 because I've been thinking about this for a while. So when I was visiting Carl, I, I said to him, I said, Carl. You are, as long as I've known you, which has been about 13 years, you have been in great shape. Carl looks ripped in a shirt. Like, seriously. Even even somebody who's yeah. killing himself to, like, keep that company going and transition it to a, a production company, he looks great. He looks he great. Does. Yeah. yeah. And so I said, Carl, what do you do? And he said, here's the thing, Chris. It takes nine months of going to the gym every day before you like it. You've just got to do it. And that is my my thinking for 2019 is the first nine months are going to be like eating the shit sandwich. I'm just not going to like it because I, I, I like to think of myself as a free spirit, as a creative individual who sets his own schedule. I'm a I'm, I'm my own man. Right. But now my own man is going to apply rules upon himself that he has to follow that is going to affect everybody I live with. It's going to affect my lady. It's going to affect my kids. It's going to affect me like Rules are like are, are laying in over 2019. Uh, my kids are with me for this week, and my I, <laughs> I feel bad for them because they show up, and the first thing is, is here's dad's three new rules for this week, not the only three rules, which would have been the way it was before, right? It would have been here's the three right. rules. Now it's here's three new rules, and you will all be following them this week. And I'm I'm still waking up. I'm you know uh, I'm still getting up early every single morning. It's holidays or not, it doesn't matter. It is a year of structure. I'm going to spend one year living a year of structure in an attempt to up my game, to be more of a professional, to to be a professional in a way that extends beyond just podcasting, that extends beyond my time on the microphone and my time editing and publishing, but extends into when I wake up in the morning. It extends into what I eat how I drive. You know, I love to speed. I love to go fast. I really love to go fast. Like I go on road trips where I can go fast on purpose because that area is legally allowed to go fast. Right. And, and so I have to constantly rein myself in when I'm in Washington because Seattle has the worst traffic in the world. And so like, you know what? Be a fucking professional. Get your shit together. Be a man. Be an adult. You know, it is, it is so funny. I have recently... So I bought myself a road uh, road bike for uh, not a motor rides. Hey, like good a for you. And I have been going just about every day. Really? Um, obviously, Christmas Day, I couldn't go. But yeah. Yeah, I didn't go to the gym Christmas Day either. <laughs> I have been, right. Well, of course, if, you know, days like that, you don't do it, right? I have been doing that. I have been cutting out fried food as much as possible. Um, you know, less booze, right? Feel better, get more work done. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to join you in this, actually. I, I will do the nine-month challenge. It is. It, you got to do it for nine months, right? Like, three yeah. months isn't enough. Yeah. Are you feeling results already, though? So, this has been probably the most positive thing about it is, um, and I've intentionally not talked about it much, uh, but I am tracking it on uh, several different fronts, and... Um, Probably the number one metric I am noticing is my mood is much better in the mornings. Um, just like my outlook on things, uh, um, what would normally be like a catastrophe is yet another challenge 
in which I realize I can get something out of it. I, I, I don't know the best way to phrase it, but I go from being somebody who is dreading the next problem to somebody who is taking all of the problems I'm facing, combining them together, and coming up with a great solution. And it's it's like a it's a higher energy. It's like a I don't know. Like I come into work at, at uh, six a.m. and I'm just like I'm good to go. Like I'm in a I'm a super positive person and I feel really good. Um, and it's not it's not massive. Um, but like I was talking about at the beginning of the show, I have a really really significant sleep problem. Um, I I get about thirty minutes on average of sleep per night which is pretty bad. And uh, it's not a joke. I, 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 I'm not like, it's not things that keep me up at night. It's a, it's a, it's a significant life-impacting problem that makes me tired. It makes me grumpy. It makes me feel like everything is a challenge. It's awful. 30 minutes of deep sleep a night. The last time I remember having a dream, as an example, I don't know, I mean, a lot of people dream. I don't. The last time I remember having a dream was when I was in the hospital after my surgery and I was propped up and I could, and they had a breathing thing on me and I, I was being supplied air. That was the last time I dreamt. And that was, um, September 11th. That's the last time I had a dream. It's not good. It's not good. And so the last couple of months, as I've been ramping this up, it started before uh, Thanksgiving, really. Um, I have seen significant improvements in my sleep. And then now, and it's not great still, but now I'm getting two hours of deep, genuine REM sleep per night. Two hours from 30 minutes is a significant improvement. And I feel like a new person. I feel like I have more energy. I feel like I'm willing to tackle more challenges. I feel like so many things. Um, and so I've been willing to go to the gym, for example, because I'm not so damn tired that I can barely function. Um, two hours of sleep, man. I'm after, after a couple of years of 30 minutes, I'm feeling really great. I'm going to the gym. I'm, I'm fasting or intermittently fasting. I'm, I'm showing up at work and I'm, I'm feeling great and I'm getting a ton of stuff done before the day even starts. I'm ahead of everybody who I work with on the, on different time zones. It's pretty good. And all of that has been trackable with different applications. And I, I don't think this is worth just shrugging off, like tracking, being able to see on a, on a, on a chart, my sleep improve and my exercise improve and my heart rate improve because I wear this watch 24 seven. Well, 22-7 because it charges. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, it's it gets my daytime heart rate. It gets my sleeping heart rate. It gets my heart rate when I'm swimming. It gets my heart rate when I'm on the treadmill. It, it gets my heart rate when I'm having sex. Like, it constantly is tracking my heart. And I'm able to see the difference of my heart rate when I'm sleeping versus when I wake up versus the middle of my day. And I'm seeing my heart rate drop. I'm going from like a resting heart rate of 100 beats per minute to a resting heart rate of 90 beats per minute. And that's, it's a small adjustment, but it's a big one, right? And, and in fact, right now, it's even better. Like my, my average has gotten down to 70 for the last week. Like it's, I see a physical improvement in how hard my heart is beating. And I'm getting more sleep. 
So I do see a positive feedback loop as I go through this. I, I see a positive feedback cycle that encourages me to keep doing this. So has your um has your stability in your your night of sleep, to, for lack of a better term, improved? Mm, it's still hit and miss. Like last night was rough. Um, I was up a lot last night. I was up at 11 p.m. I was up at 1 p.m. I was up at 4 p.m. And I was up at 5 p.m. a.m. 4 a.m. 5 p.m. and 6 a.m. It's still not every night's great. Not every night's great, but uh, it it has on average gotten significantly better, significantly better. And I'm trying to get a better sleep hygiene in general. So that way I go to bed around, mm, I try to go to bed around 9 p.m. every night. I don't always successfully do it. But what's crazy is, you know, you always hear people talk about like reducing screen time and blue light, <laughs> which always sounds like hocus pocus, but. It sounds like black magic to me. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? On the nights that we don't watch Star Trek, I sleep better. And Star Trek is one of those things that's like soothing to my soul. When I'm sick, I watch Star Trek. Like that's, it's like, it's mom's home cooking for me. And even still, on the nights that we don't watch Star Trek, I sleep better. And what I mean by sleep better is I actually start registering some level of sleep around 10 p.m. And if I watch television... I don't start registering any kind of level of deep sleep until 1 a.m. And I, okay. I have, we, we've, uh, thankfully, uh, my lady Hadia is super willing to work with me on this because she wants me to sleep more too. And so she's been willing to like, let's do TV nights and non-TV nights and we'll do some testing. And when we see results, we're like, well, let's test it again. And then we see the results and we're like, okay, well, let's test it again. And I'm, you know, I'm kind of taking it, I'm kind of taking advantage of the fact that she's willing to work with me on this right. because she sees it as a big improvement too. She's seen the results. I'm a different man. You're di I know you've changed. It's like you found sleep, Jesus. <laughs> Can we use that as a title or would that offend everyone? I don't know. Like, that would be I don't know. I, I, I think it's worth the shot. I just want to throw it out there. <laughs> of all the crazy titles we've done, I feel like this may in fact be the best one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, architect, our, we've lost a few people in the chat room. I'm, uh, I've, I've, I've gone way. Be yeah, people don't understand why dreams and REM sleep and deep sleep, like they, they don't know how it all connects together because this is stuff that I've, I've been reading. You don't about. know until you have the problem, right? Yeah. That's the yeah, yeah. This is stuff that I've gotten like really passionate about and been reading about and researching about for like a year or more now. And people yeah. listening to this cold have no idea what I'm talking about, but. Maybe we could bring it back. Maybe we can bring it back to Coda Radio a little bit. Like, uh, you know, like well, isn't there's, a, there's an obvious tie, right? So, I mean, there have been tons of papers written out about um, complex, you know, thinking and logic, i.e. software development, the negative effects of sleep deprivation, all that. And I get it. All you people in college, people who are still like, you know, 22 oh. are going to say, no, I can do it. You can do it. Then you, I'm going to say a decade later, it's going to get harder. You're going to notice that. I mean, I just had a 3 a.m. night last week, right? I used to do those three times a week, no problem. Bounce. I was like death all day. The following day, I mean, I couldn't think clearly. I was just, and I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like a, a hangover situation. It was a, I was literally up at 3 a.m. doing some uh, droplet management. It's just, it's not the right way to do things. Mike, party. Yeah, I party. <laughs> I don't party alone. I party with droplets. <laughs> so I, that's how I party, man. <laughs> Isn't that how we all party? <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Otherwise, I am messed up.
Architect is clarifying his opinion, by the way, in the chat room. He says, I'm not saying that just because you don't remember your dreams, you're not sleeping. I'm just saying. So, is that clear? Fair enough. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Well, uh, what about Rust? You going to learn Rust in 2019? Is that You know what? I'm going to devote exactly zero time to learning Rust. Okay. That will uh, surely just uh, make everyone listening happy. And no one listening will be upset by that statement. <laughs> no, not at all. And I think we know what the YouTube comments are going to be like now. Well, Mr. Dominic, what else? What else? Anything else? When, these aren't predictions. These are personal goals for 2019. I've got the right. year of structure. You've got... Um, so hopefully, I hopefully... I, I feel for you, man. I hope that this is going to be the year of testing for you. The year of testing. You're going to nail it. You're going to... You know, I think that's probably my going to be the hardest transition for me. And I'm wondering if it's not going to be a come to Jesus moment. Mm -hmm. I just... Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be like uh, somebody's really, really, really upset, and you have to sit there and go, what could we have possibly done to avoid this situation? Right? I mean, that's kind of what you want to avoid. That's what happened to me with the whole ruptured appendix is not that I had an appendix, appendix issue. It was that I tried to work through it for <laughs> three weeks until it became a deadly issue. Right? Like, how far do you push something? It's true. How far are you willing to go before you're... Yeah. Yeah. And the and the reality is the sooner you call it, generally the better off you are. Like the 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 more you've limited the damage. For me, like it it took till I lost the functionality of my right leg before I went to the hospital. Like looking back at it, I I feel like I was in some sort of weird fugue state. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Like I was sleeping hours and hours a day. There were some days where I slept the entire day and all night. And it took until I lost the ability to move my right leg because the bacteria that my appendix was leaking rotted away my muscles. Don't let that happen to you. You know, you got to like call it. I would like for that not to happen. Yeah, you got to call yeah. it. Yeah. You got to call it. You got to be just aware of that kind of stuff. And um, I don't know. That's always, kind of, that's always kind of the game is walking that line. You want to you walk it as far as you can, but you don't want to go so far that you can't repair the damage. No, that's a good point. Well, Mr. Dominic, where should we send people? Where do you want them to go? Like, uh, apparently the sleep clinic. <laughs> <laughs> no, go to at uh, Dumanuku on Twitter. I would say that. That's what I was going to say. You could check out at Chris LAS. Uh, the network's at Jupiter Signal, and the show's at Coda Radio Show. We also have the subreddit, codaradio.reddit.com. Checked it this morning, and we've got the contact page. That's how Nicholas got a hold of us. Just go to coder.show slash contact. I was going to say, show. you could choose Coder Radio from the dropdown at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, but that's old school. We're working on a new version of the site. That's my prediction for 2019 is a new jupiterbroadcasting.com. How about that? Ooh. In the meantime, coder.show slash contact and coder.show slash 338 for the links on this week's episode. Thanks for joining us. See you back here next week. <laughs>